Now broadcasting from the Next Gen Conservative Studio in sunny South Florida. Bringing you the latest in politics, current events, and pop culture. This is the Whitfield Report with Sam Whitfield. And hello there, folks. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Whitfield Report podcast. I am your host, Sam Whitfield, uh, recording here uh, from MGC Studios. Technically, we are recording this on a Monday, um, but Tuesdays are pretty busy for me now, so I am pre-recording this uh, in advance for the Tuesday show. Hope you all are doing well wherever you're uh, listening to this in the past, present, future hour. I know I'm doing well. Uh, Contact info as usual. If you'd like to uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so at SamDeBurn underscore NGC. Hashtag Whitfield Report. Follow me on Gab, Parlor, and Minds at Sam Whitfield. And also follow me on uh, Getter. Uh, dot com that new app over there it's uh, working out pretty well for me so go over there and follow me as well at Sam Whitfield uh, facebook.com forward slash Whitfield report the Sam Whitfield.com is my website of course you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever else you get your podcast and please give us a five-star rating and review uh, and as always patreon.com forward slash the Whitfield Report, if you'd like to financially support the show as well. All right, a lot to get into today, folks. Um, one thing I wanted to cover a bit with you guys and discuss is uh, the U.S. has finally pulled out of Afghanistan after 20 years. And that is... Mo- That is kind of mind-blowing to think about, that we've been in the Middle East and in Afghanistan for uh, 20 years, roughly. Just for context, and this is something that I've really been thinking um, about a lot today and last night when I started uh, kind of drafting my show notes. But the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is... uh, When we entered into um, Afghanistan, right, when 9-11 happened, I'm I'm 26 now, and when 9-11 happened, I was uh, around 6 or 7 years old, right? And when we entered Afghanistan, I was close to 8 years old. So I was a young kid. When the conflict in the Middle East started after 9-11. Right? I am 26. I'm almost graduated from college with with my um, degree. A lot of my friends are in the the same process. Some of them have already uh, graduated college and, you know, have their careers going. Uh, And then some of my friends even... Um, have gotten married and they have kids of their own and not just that but some of my kid, but some of my uh, friends who have kids granted uh, you know they're young parents 
but some of my friends have kids who are now the same age as we were, as their parents and myself were, when we entered into the Afghanistan conflict. And, and that that is just mind-boggling to me, that there's a whole new generation of kids, some of whom are the exact same age as I was when we entered into the conflict. And I've been... Uh, I've been talking to veteran friends and just kind of friends in general ask, asking, you know, what did we gain from going into Afghanistan? What was the purpose of going into um, Afghanistan? And was it worth it? I'm hoping to get uh, some veteran friends of mine on the show to discuss this maybe. I've reached out to a couple of people. Haven't heard back uh, from any of them yet. But kind of the upshot from what I've heard from some of them just, you know, talking on uh, Messenger, you know, Discord and other forms of communication is a lot of veteran friends, uh, you know, who have served in... Uh, Afghanistan, some of them, um, and by the way, if you are listening to this podcast and you have served, uh, you know, in our military, as always, we thank you for our service here on the Whitfield Report. Um, anyway, though, there is, there's a lot of, um, divisive opinions on, Afghanistan, even amongst our, uh, you know, troops who have fought and served. Some of them definitely feel that it was worth going over there to fight terrorism, to help uh, basically cripple Osama bin Laden's uh, operation and later on kill kill him. And I was already podcasting with the Whitfield Analysis, my old show, when the Bin Laden raid took place. And there's absolutely no question in my mind that that was the right thing to do at the time. In fact, it should have happened uh, sooner, in my opinion, when we had the chance to. Um, But then Afghanistan is just, it's always been, as a veteran friend of mine uh, mentioned, it's been an inconquerable land, sort of, right? The, even going back to uh, Napoleon uh, in the 1500s, it's, it's just always been a land that has, for whatever reason, um, been impossible to tame, really. Uh, you know, Napoleon was a great conqueror, and yet he could not, uh, you know, overtake Afghanistan. Um, you know, met some of the conflicts 
of World War One. Well, they didn't take pla place in uh, Afghanistan directly. They did deal with the Ottoman Empire, uh, you know, and people who were from that region in the Middle East. And it was, you know, those conflicts have, you know, raged on. And it was impossible to, you know, get a hold on uh, Afghanistan or any of the, um, you know, surrounding countries in the Middle East there. Uh, one thing that most notably comes to mind a little bit before my time, uh, but I thought of this uh, last night when I was doing show notes as well. Um, the Russian military, uh, when the Russians at the end of the Cold War, the Soviet Union tried to occupy um, Afghanistan. And they were unsuccessful, partially due to us, actually, because uh, we allied with the uh, Muhadajin. Um, I know I just butchered, butchered that. Um, but, yeah, we actually allied with Osama bin Laden and the Muhadajin at one point to overthrow uh, the Soviets in... Uh, Afghanistan and there are many people and as I've gotten older and learned history um, who feel that us doing that and then just essentially up and leaving um, was one of the worst things that we could do particularly the fact that we kind of left and just let the um, you know what the Mujahideen just kind of do its thing. We we didn't really put any uh, structure in there, and I'm not saying that nation building would have been a good thing, but we didn't really do anything, um, you know, in regards to helping there either. So it's just a, uh, you know, the the. The whole Afghan thing throughout history has been kind of a clusterfuck in and of itself. And like I said, there are, you know, there are people I've talked to who can give a lot more specific details. So I'm going to try and get people on. Um, but just kind of from what I've gleaned, did we really... Uh, you know, beat terrorism over there? Did we really um, get rid of Al-Qaeda? Well, the answer is kind of both yes and no from what I've um, gathered. We severely, you know, crushed Al-Qaeda's forces, um, you know, in Afghanistan in kind of the early days, and we... we we certainly got rid of uh, Osama bin Laden, who was a major figurehead um, in terms of, you know, terrorism. But then, you know, we continued over there, and uh, Obama, the Obama administration, um, because of the power vacuum that was kind of created over there, you had ISIS that, you know, came to power over in Afghanistan and in the Middle East, 
So that became a big thing. Um, then Trump, you know, to Trump's credit, uh, made a couple of military operations that basically, uh, you know, decimated ISIS for the most part. And, uh, you know, even though this isn't Afghanistan, um, Trump did drone uh, General Qasem Soleimani by Iran, who was, um, you know, allegedly uh, using bases in Afghanistan and was planning on attacking military personnel and perhaps starting another war. Um, and granted, Trump might not have, you know, been perfect, uh, but he, he seemed to have a handle on that. Uh, now with us completely with, withdrawing, here is kind of the essence of, um, you know, what kind of the long and short of what I've heard, uh, from some, some of my, um, associates who have served. Just kind, just kind of the general, uh, gist of what I've heard from, uh, veterans I know who served is this. Well, it, it was a bad idea for us to go into Afghanistan in the first place because we opened ourselves up to, uh, you know, just a, a giant quagmire that could never uh, really be fixed. But it's also kind of a bad idea for us to completely pull out of uh, Afghanistan because... We should always keep something there to essentially kind of keep the infrastructure we've helped build there uh, from collapsing in on, on itself. So Afghanistan is kind of a damned if you do, uh, damned if you don't situation. Uh, it would not surprise me, and many are kind of fearing this already, um, that the Taliban, that ISIS and other terrorist groups are already, excuse me, they are already regaining major parts of the uh, country uh, as U.S. troops draw down um, in Afghanistan. And, uh, you know, it's, it's looking like the, the bad guys, if we want, just want to kind of paraphrase and use that term, the, ba the bad guys are taking over again. So again, this really is kind of a, uh, you know, a no-win situation for us at this point. And, uh, you know, my whole thing is, well, we're pulling out, but will we have to go back there, um, you know, in a year, two years, three years, four years? Right, because even though Joe Biden is, uh, you know, the one pulling us out, that doesn't also mean that he can't, uh, you know, send us back in there if he wanted to. And, you know, that may be what ends up happening. The withdrawal may be a mistake, um, and Biden may send us back in because... As it turns out, we can't, you know, we can't pull out. But then, you know, I, I fear that that would actually make things worse. 
So it is a, uh, you know, kind of a general clusterfucking general. There's no good way of going about it. But what what is even more concerning to me, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is the way in which uh, Joe Biden, the president of the United States, has handled uh, this whole thing. Very kind of uh, concerning indeed. So, uh, here is Joe Biden answering questions about the Afghanistan pull-up from July 2nd of this year. This clip comes from Politico. And, uh, you know, this is... This is kind of con- concerning. So, uh, you know, it shows that Biden really isn't all there competently. Alright, so uh, this is a clip of Biden kind of dodging questions on Afghanistan. Uh, let's... Mr. President, you talked to us about Afghanistan. Um, what is the drawdown going to be done in the next few days? No. No. No, we're, we're, on, we're on track exactly as to where we expect it to be. But we just, I wanted to make sure there was enough, quote, running room that we, we could get, wouldn't be able to do it all to September. There'll still be some four forces left. But it's a rational drawdown with our allies, and it's making, uh, so there's no, nothing uh, unusual about it. Are you worried that the Afghan government might fall? I mean, we were hearing about the Taliban is taking more and more districts. Look, we are in that war for 20 years, 20 years. And uh, I think I met with uh, the Afghan government here in, in the White House, in the Oval. I think they have the capacity to be able to sustain the government. Wait, 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 Joe. You think you met with the Afghan government in the White House? Or you did? Now, folks, you may think I'm nitpicking here, but that's not really wise for a president to say, well, I think I met with the Afghan government in the White House. You know, but that denotes that I can't really remember. And again, I mean, I hate to bring this up every, you know, single episode, but Dementia Joe, we have a, uh, we, you know, we have a Dementia patient running the, uh, you know, well, well, he's not really running anything at this point. It, it seems like he's more like a, a figurehead, but, you know, that's the, uh, you know, concern is he's saying things like, I think I met with the Afghan government. I think I'm confident in their ability. No, Mr. President, are you confident or are you not? That's the uh, million dollar question. There's going to have to be down the road more negotiations, I suspect. But uh, I am, uh, I am concerned that they deal with the internal issues that they have to be able to generate the kind of support they need nationwide to maintain the government. I want to talk about happy things, man. Well, uh, if um, if there is evidence that Kabul, I want to talk about happy things, man. Which, you know, that's also telling, right? That, that um, you know, Biden is trying to, you know, duck the issue. 
he wants to talk about happy thing, happy things. And granted, this is from July 2nd. This is right before 4th of July weekend. So part of me, you know, I get it. But also, you're the president of the United States, man. You're supposed to, uh, you know, answer tough questions. Imagine for a sec if Donald Trump had said those exact same words. Oh, I, I don't want to talk about this, that, or the other thing. I, I want to talk about, you know, happy stuff. I want to talk about 4th of July. Just imagine if Trump had said that, the media would be playing clips of that over and over and over again. Trump doesn't want to talk about, you know, serious stuff. He wants just to go golfing and uh, talk about, you know, nonsense. He probably wants to, you know, talk about Mar-a-Lago, whatever. There would be outrage from the mainstream media if Trump had said the same thing. But because it's Joe Biden, oh, look at how cute Grandpa is. Um, you know, he, he just wants to, to talk to talk about happy things. Now, a journalist here, I don't know who it is, they do, uh, you, know, you know, they do press him on this. Some of them do. And uh, he gets pretty agitated here. Uh, for those of you watching on the video, he, he, you know, you might be able to see he's already kind of staring off into the, uh, you know, distance a bit. This is not good, necessarily. Is, is threatened, which some of the intelligence reports have suggested it could be in six months or thereabouts. Do you think you've got the capability to help? All right, let me let me back the question up uh, here again because what the journalist asked is really uh, you know kind of important here. If um, if there is evidence that Kabul is is threatened, which some of the intelligence reports have suggested it could be in six months or thereabouts, do you think you've got the capability to help provide any kind of air support, military support? to them to, to keep the capital safe, even if the U.S. troops are obviously fully out by that time. And that is a legit question uh, to be asking the President of the United States, especially, you know, with what's historically gone on in the Middle East and, and in Afghanistan. Uh, you know, troops pull out, the bad guys tend to uh, overtake Afghanistan again, and, uh, you know, things go haywire. So what's going to be different this time? Does Joe Biden even have an answer? I, I don't know. Let's see here if he does. We have uh, worked out an over-horizon capacity we can be value-added, but the Afghans are going to have to be able to do it themselves with the Air Force they have, which you're helping them maintain. Now, the, um, the audience, if you're listening to this on the audio podcast, you, you obviously can't see this, but for those of you who are watching on video, uh, and I will describe this uh, for the audio uh, podcast audience, just to answer that question, Joe Biden had to uh, look down uh, at the podium 
and you can see uh, he held a note card, essentially. He had to use a note car card to answer that question, that question, and essentially the answer answer to his question is, well, no, we don't have anything concretely yet, but we're still working on strategy. Very concerning. I'm not going to answer any more questions on Afghanistan. Look, the 4th of July, I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week, but on this is a holiday weekend, I'm going to Afghanistan, is the drawdown going to be done? We've got a record number. Economy's growing. Asking me questions that I'll answer next Fourth of July. I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week, but on this is a holiday weekend, I'm going to celebrate it. There's okay, I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'm going to answer next week. Again, if if Donald Trump were president and said the exact same thing, we would be hearing about this nonstop. It, it would be played nonstop to show, uh, and you know, Trump's incompetency. You know, Trump doesn't want to answer tough questions about Afghanistan. He's incompetent. Biden does this, and everyone thinks it's, you know, cute in the media. Some people are starting to wake up and realize that this is actually a problem, but not enough people, uh, in my view, not enough. Things happening. Economy's growing faster than any time in 40 years. We've got a record number of new jobs. Again, you know, in terms of the economy, where where are you getting those number numbers from, Joe? Uh, where? The economy might be doing good now, but that's, you know, that that's not gonna that's not gonna last. And a lot of that stuff that is uh, you know going well is. A holdover from Trump's economy, which was doing fantastic prior to the whole beer bug. COVID deaths are down 90%. Wages are up faster than any time in 15 years. We're bringing out our, bringing our troops home. We have all across America, people are going to ball games and doing good things. This is a good. I'll, be, I'll answer all your negative questions. Not negative, your legitimate questions. Not... So interesting. He said, "I'll answer your all your negative questions," and then he caught himself and said, "Not not negative, legitimate questions." Okay, okay, folks. So boy, oh boy, oh boy. I honestly, I I don't know where to really start here on this but that response in and of itself and there are other clips of Biden flipping out on reporters this week um, for asking about Afghanistan uh, Clay and Buck actually played a few on uh, that radio show slash podcast this is not good news, ladies and gentlemen. It's not good news at all, the way that Biden is handling things. 
he cannot answer exactly what our strategy for pulling out is. He cannot answer questions on, uh, you know, questions like what if the uh, Taliban regroups and takes back over as we're seeing that they are starting to do. He cannot answer any of these questions. Um, you know, he can't answer questions as to whether or not he believes that the Afghan government is even capable. Hell, he even said that he thinks he met with the Afghan government in the White House, which indicates to me that he honestly can't remember whether or not the Afghan uh, leaders were here in this here in this country. And it's his job to know these things as President of the United States. And then any journalist or any reporter that was asking questions about uh, Afghanistan, those were viewed as negative questions. And then he caught himself. Now keep in mind, I, I you know I'm not a fan of the media. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of them are kind of in the, uh, you know, a lot of them are in kind of in the soft camp uh, uh, for Biden. But even some of them, when they were asking these questions, even I would think CNN, even even Politico, uh, where I got this video from, Politico is by no means a uh, conservative website. It's definitely not Breitbart.com. Um, and yet we what we have here is even the mainstream media is starting to wake up and, and realize, oh shit, uh, this guy really might not be all there. This is, uh, you know, concerning. So to answer your question, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, of, you know, what do I think about us pulling out of uh, Afghanistan? Well, it's a complex issue. On one hand, I very much think it's time to come home. Um, you know, part of me thinks that we that we might, you know, that we should have never like gone in um, in the first place if this was going to be the result. Um, Party thinks it's a bad idea that you know we that we are pulling out and that we should stay um, over here, over there. Uh, a lot of people have compared it to Vietnam, uh, and and you know in terms of the great debate of whether or not Vietnam was successful or not. I think a lot of people are having the same debate about Afghanistan right now, and I think that will be a debate that we have. Uh, for for a couple of years to come, actually, especially as you know the conflict in Afghanistan and the Middle East starts to uh, you know brew again, and some of you know the libertarian, a lot of libertarians um, and a lot of anti-war Democrats will say things like. Oh, well, we should have never been in there in the first place. Well, that may or may not be true, but, you know, for all intents and purposes, we've been in the Middle East for decades, you know, for centuries. 
even. So at this point, can we really avoid the Middle East now and being involved because we already are partially involved? I don't think we can. I don't think we can turn our involvement off and on like a spigot, because it, it never turns out well. Either part entirely, or keep a force there, you know, that just has things under watch. At this point, I am, you know, pretty sure that we just need to do the latter, because if we don't, things will, you know, turn even more disastrous for us. And I, I'll tell you another thing. It, uh, you know, it's concerning to me that, um, you know, that Joe Biden is the one who is overseeing this, supposedly. A man who, you know, needs cue cards to remember the most basic uh, talking points because his dementia has gotten so bad. Uh, just very concerning. Uh, on the other hand, though, kind of switching topics, uh, Donald Trump spoke at CPAC uh, this previous weekend. They had uh, CPAC over the weekend in uh, Dallas, Texas, and Trump's uh, keynote speech was kind of uh, the great anticipation of everything. Um, and so... Here are a few of Trump's remarks from Sunday's, uh, you know, CPAC speech, and uh, I think it's pretty pretty interesting. Uh, this isn't the whole thing, but here are a few highlights of uh, President Trump's CPAC speech. Again, is he going to run? A lot of people seem to think so. Is he going to in reality? Folks, we're two years uh you know, still at the door, so we'll have to wait and see. But anyway, here is uh, Trump's, uh, you know, CPAC speech, or at least a few excerpts of it. Uh, let's play the clip. Marxists and the critical race theorists. The Biden administration has turned the border into the single greatest disaster. Our movement is the greatest in American history, and it has just begun. Former President Trump touting his administration's successes while taking aim at President Biden during CPAC in Dallas. The Brewer Group CEO, Jack Brewer, attended and then spoke at the conference and joins us with more this morning. Good morning, Jack. Okay, this is not... Uh... Hold on a sec here, folks. This is not what uh, I thought we were going to to be getting here. So let me uh, let me go to the clip. Ah, here it is. People in the country want voter ID. So now the Democrats, again, same old story. They're saying we want voter ID. We've always wanted voter ID. These people are sick. We will completely defund and bar critical race theory. 1776, not 1619, if you don't mind. And if government-run schools are going to teach children, 
to hate their country, we will demand school choice, and we already have been. If you listen to the media or watch the evening newscasts, our country has really gone bad. All we talk about is race. That's all they talk about, race. The whole show, race, race. We don't talk about our country being great anymore. We don't talk about how America can lead the world. We don't talk about stopping crime or the hundreds and hundreds of people that are being shot in Democrat-run cities and what to do about it. We don't talk about ending the drugs pouring across our borders, which I had greatly reduced with our wall and so many other things that we're doing. And most importantly, we never talk about the great future of our country. We don't talk about any of this stuff anymore. The Democrat-controlled media talks race, race, race for political reasons. And they always have, but never like this. But it's hurting our country, and more than anyone else, our great minority communities. It's hurting them very badly. The Democrat obsession with race is only dragging us backward into the past, and it is bringing our country down to a point where even China and Russia are lecturing us on human rights, race, and they're doing it in a very humiliating fashion. This Okay, so I do want to jump in here. This is the Trump that we needed during 2020, right? This is a Trump that is refined, that's on point, that's speaking clearly, that pretty much has all of his ducks lined up in, in a row. Obviously, you know, Trump has his own tone. He's not a smooth talker like Barack Obama uh, was. You know, he's still the tough one, Don. But this is not a Trump who is uh, really sticking his, uh, you know, foot in his mouth. He's being serious here. In his own way, uh, I wouldn't really really say that he's being charismatic, but he's not being the, uh, you know, he's being presidential here, I would say. He's not being a a ship hoster. Uh, And, you know, believe me, like Apex, I, I love when Trump's being... Uh, you know, a comic. I love when Trump is a shit poster, right? But, you know, for these times that we're in, we do need a serious leading individual. And that, in my mind, is, uh, you know, we need this Trump that's on right now. One that's, you know, serious. One that is taking things serious. This was the Trump that we needed in 2020. I believe that, you know, in the large part, part we we did get this Trump. We needed him during the debate. I, I you know, that first debate against Biden, I, you know, and I'm sorry to, to say this, but he really did do damage to himself, um, you know, here. So if he does decide to run again in 2024, this is what we need out of Trump 
uh, full stop. Let's continue. Never happened. Never happened with me. During my administration, our country was respected again. It is no longer respected. In conclusion, our party and our movement, we're all united by the same shared American values and by unyielding resolve to defend our beloved nation for citizens of every race, religion, color, and creed. We take great pride in our country, and we teach the truth about our history. We celebrate our rich heritage and national traditions. We honor George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Abraham Lincoln, and all of our national heroes. And of course, we always respect our great American flag. We believe in patriotic education for our children, and we strongly oppose the radical indoctrination of America's youth. We are committed to defending innocent life and to proudly upholding the Judeo-Christian values of our nation's founding. We embrace free thought. We stand up to political correctness, and we reject the intolerance of left-wing cancel culture. We believe in our Constitution and in law and order. We want law and order. We demand law and order. We don't want people shot and killed in our cities. We totally respect and support the men and women of law enforcement. They will never be defunded. We are devoted to our communities. We are loyal to our fellow citizens. And above all, we live by the words of our national motto, in God we trust. These are the convictions that define our movement today and must define the Republican Party, which has truly become the party of the working man and woman. The working man, the working woman. That's what's happening. Look how many people are joining. We have a much different party than we had five years ago. You were in big trouble, Republicans, and look what's happening. Now, for the next 16 months, we must pour every ounce of our energy into winning a historic victory in the midterm. Look what's happened to our country in just a short number of months. Everyone here today and every conservative all across our land needs to decide right now that together we will save this country. We must decide that we will not stop, we will not rest until our American heritage of freedom, liberty, and justice is once again safe and once again secure. We owe our country nothing less than that. Our glorious American inheritance was passed down to us by generations of American patriots who gave everything they had, their sweat, their blood, and even their way of lives to build America 
into the greatest He's nation in the history of the world. And we are not going to let it be taken away from us by a small group of radical left Marxist maniacs. We're not going to let it happen. We will protect and defend our cherished American legacy and freedom for ourselves, for our children, and for every future generation. My fellow Americans, our movement is the greatest in American history, and it has just begun. Kind of makes you miss him. Doesn't it? I sure do. Let's wrap this up. With your help, your devotion, your brilliance, and your drive, we will carry forward the torch of American liberty. We will lead the conservative movement and the Republican Party back to victory. And it will be a greater victory than this party has ever had. We will take back the House. We will take back the Senate. And then, after witnessing all that has gone wrong in our country in such a short period of time, with our borders, with our economy, with crime, we will take back that glorious White House that sits so majestically in our nation's capital. Beautiful White House, that's small letters, White House, that beautiful White House, and it is the most beautiful house of all. Working together, we will make America powerful again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again, and we will make America great again. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And that is uh, President Trump's CPAC speech. Rather, some key highlights of that speech. He is, uh, you know, I didn't get a chance to see the full uh, speech. I did watch that clip. And he was really on fire there. Um, even if he doesn't run in 2024, he is definitely a powerful influence, uh, you know, and I'm, I really do hope that he can stick to this type of messaging, which is more refined, but also has some more, uh, you know, he still has his panache. He still has his uh, gusto and oomph. Um, but yeah, this is the Donald Trump that, honestly, we've always needed. So, if he is up to running in 2024 and he does decide to run, great. If not, I really do hope that he can, uh, you know, keep this side of himself going, uh, you know, for whoever does run in 2024, be that Ron DeSantis, be that Christian Nome, uh, you know, be that some, be that, you know, a candidate who hasn't even entered into the 
political fray, yeah? And as I said, as I told, uh, you know, Christian Blatt uh, on Biden time last week, the MAGA movement is not dead uh, by any stretch of the imagination. It is evolving. It is not just Trump anymore. It's multiple, uh, you know, conservatives. It is the next generation uh, conservatives, so to speak. You know, kind of my vision realized, almost. So, anyway, folks, uh, you know, that will do it for the Tuesday show. I want to thank you so very much for uh, tuning in here and uh, listening. I wish you all a good, uh, you know, Tuesday, a good week. Uh, I'll be back on Thursday for the pop culture, uh, you know, show. And then we'll have the live stream on Saturday uh, evening, as always. Uh, until then, God bless. God save this great nation. God freedom like see in that order, wherever you are. And I'll see you next time on the Woodford Report. Take care and God bless. Thanks for listening to The Whitfield Report on the NGC Network. Please visit Sam's website at www.thesamwhitfield.com and support Sam on Patreon at patreon.com slash whitfieldreport. Until next time, God bless, God save this great nation, and God, freedom, legacy, in that order.